Thank you, Ben. Thank you, children. What a wonderful way to honor and celebrate the women of our church, and especially our mothers and grandmothers and aunts and those women in our life that just are there to guide us and to help us and encourage us. And we are certainly thankful, uh, ladies, for each and every one of you. And uh, we're beginning a new sermon series today, as you can see, called Hashtag Family Goals, Families Thriving by God's Design. And over the next six weeks, I'm going to talk about topics like forgiveness, communication, faith, how moms and dads can help build up their children in the Lord. And hopefully, I want this series to equip us and encourage us to truly build families that will thrive because we're following God's design for the family. And so whether you're a mom or a dad, a a grandparent, uh, or a single adult, my prayer is that through this sermon series, we can begin to take intentional steps toward building relationships that don't just survive. Oftentimes, we get in survival mode but that truly thrive. I can't think of anyone better to begin that with uh, than mothers, and a better day to begin the sermon series with than Mother's Day, because today's moms, I think, face unique struggles. Uh, We have many moms, if not most, are working outside the home, either part-time or full-time, but you're still organizing the kids' ever-busy schedule. You're still making sure that everybody is fed and cleaned up and put to bed and ready the next morning. You're still uh, kissing all the boo-boos and taking care of all the scrapes and the bruises. Uh, if, if a modern-day mother's job description were posted to a job board, I wonder, would anyone apply, right? And if they did, could any of us afford to pay her for what she does? I don't think so. In fact, I think that if you were to sum up sort of that job description in the one ads, it would say, wanted controller of chaos. Because isn't that right, moms? Sometimes I'm sure your job feels like you're just controlling the chaos. And you do want to bring a sense of calm into the chaos of overloaded schedules and financial strains and fussy toddlers or angsty teenagers, maybe even both at the same time. And that's to say nothing of what you need to do to take care of your own self and meet your own needs, and nurture your relationship with your husband, and take care of his needs. Not that we husbands are ever needy, but, you know, there is that. So the truth is, I think, being a parent, especially being a mom in today's environment, it's increasingly complicated. And it seems like that the expectations and demands of moms are ever-evolving. But one thing that isn't ever going to change is God's plan for the home. God's plan for families never changes. God's job description expectations for moms and for dads will never change. God's design for the family is still one man and one woman for life, raising their children and nurturing the next generation. And and the world we live in today wants to tell us that there's no difference between men and women, that there's no differentiation in their roles, responsibilities, or expectations, but the Bible clearly lays out job descriptions for husbands and wives, for moms and dads. It's clear. Our world, I believe, is reaping the tragic consequences of rejecting God's design, of of flaunting the things that that we say are right and, and spitting in the eye of what God says is right. There are countless studies, some of them recent, some of them are are long-held studies that have only been verified with more recent data, but all these studies on the effects of fatherlessness especially on young men, how chaos at home hampers the emotional 
and physical development of children and hampers their ability to do well in school. Teachers see this all the time, how kids come. They don't have food to eat at home. They don't have anybody there disciplining them. They don't have anybody there making them go to bed or getting them up in the morning. They, they're basically parenting themselves, and it leads to chaos in the classroom. Not to mention how destructive our culture's views on sex, sexuality, and gender are to the health, happiness, and well-being of boys and girls who need desperately to find a sense of self and purpose and happiness that our culture's perspective only makes more difficult. In church, we don't have anyone to blame but ourselves. It's easy to point fingers. It's easy to complain about things in our culture and in politics outside the walls of the church. But listen, we are the ones who have let our culture redefine family. We're the ones who have stood by and allowed our culture to strip away God's ideal plan for a father and a mother who's going to play and pray with their children. And far too often, we just kind of nod along or keep our heads down and go right along this slippery slope that we are on as a country. And it makes it just that much more challenging for us as churches to minister to families, to minister in this milieu of confusion that's in our culture. I mean, we want to hold our families up to a high and holy standard. I do. I'm sure you do as well. But family life today is more fast-paced, it's more stressful, it's more demanding, and oftentimes it's more messy. And this is one reason I think that for many struggling, worn-out, discouraged moms, Mother's Day comes and they just feel defeated. They feel worn out and tired. And it doesn't help sometimes when we hold up these biblical examples of women like Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Naomi and Ruth, or Hannah, or the Proverbs 31 woman. These very uh, imposing figures and say, Moms, this is what you're supposed to be like. So today we're going to look at a woman who is seldom mentioned in the heroic ranks of women in the Bible. We're going to look at a woman named Hagar. Hagar in Genesis chapter 21. Go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. My hat is off to her on this Mother's Day. She can teach us a great deal about overcoming struggles and lifting our families from chaos to calm. Hagar was a young, attractive, hard-working woman who was taken advantage of, who was mistreated, who became pregnant before she was ready, and her son's father abandoned them, and she lost her job. And she had no family, no friends, no support network. But the Lord saw her plight, came to her side, and rescued her. And I believe that Hagar's ancient story can help us understand, love, and serve moms today who are also struggling with challenges. And and I pray that she can help all of us discover how we can overcome the chaos of life and find peace and calm in God's care. So let's pray before we jump into today's passage of Scripture. Father, I thank you so much for the women of this church, for their godly leadership and examples for the way that they serve and they care for their families, for the families of our church, for the the children in our church, Lord. I I just praise you for each and every one of them and thank you especially for those who are moms, Lord, and and who are day in and day out, 24-7, bearing so much burden and working so hard to care for their families in this constantly changing, chaotic culture in which we live. And I pray your blessings upon them. I pray for those today, Lord, who struggle with Mother's Day because of grief, because of disappointment, because of past hurt. And I pray that today you would give them your grace and your peace. 
Father, I pray You would speak to us from Your Word and challenge each and every one of us, whether we're moms or not, Lord. Help us to see ways in which we can follow Hagar's example. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing we're going to see as we look at Hagar's story is she was facing a chaos of wilderness. She was facing chaos in the wilderness of her life. Let's look at Genesis 21, verse 8. The child, meaning Ishmael, grew and was weaned. I'm sorry, Isaac. The child Isaac grew and was weaned, and Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking. This is Ishmael the one that Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. And I will also make a nation of the slave's son, because he is your offspring. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bowshot away, for she said, I cannot bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. You know, I think in a way the chaos in our homes, the chaos in our culture and our workplace and our schools today are very much like the wilderness that Hagar and Ishmael found themselves flung into. And I want us to think about three things about this wilderness. First, it's a wilderness of hurt. A wilderness of hurt. Through no fault of her own, Hagar was used, abused, and tossed out like the trash. Now, think about this. Abraham and Sarah were God's chosen people. This was the couple through whom God said He would bless all families on the earth someday, which we know He did through Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham and Sarah. So as you read this story, it just shows how deeply sin has affected even this couple. Their hearts are still ravaged by the effects of sin. Because of Abraham's impatience, Sarah's lack of faith, Hagar was forced into a situation she had no control over. A situation she never would have chose to go into on her own. Jealousy has raised its ugly head in Abraham's household. And rather than him stand up for what's right, he does the easy thing. And he sends Hagar uh, and Ishmael away. And God relents. This isn't what God would have them do, but God relents because Isaac is the chosen one through whom the Messiah would come. So it's obvious that Hagar and Ishmael, that Hagar and Ishmael were loved. They were loved by Abraham. He cherished his son Ishmael. He was heartbroken over this decision that he had to make, but it was the consequence of terrible choices, a line of terrible choices that he and Sarah had made. They failed to trust God. They failed to live according to God's design for the family. And we see the tragic consequences of this. Jealousy, strife, a broken and divided home, Hagar, knows what it's like to be rejected. Ishmael knows what it feels like to be abandoned by his dad. And the Bible says they wandered in the wilderness. They had no direction. They had no plan. They had no goal. They had no goals except just the goal of survival. 
They were wandering in the wilderness. And sadly, this is the wilderness, the wilderness of hurt that moms and families find themselves wandering in today. And maybe you know what that feels like, to be hurt and rejected, to feel like you are on your own without a sense of direction. Or maybe you know a Hagar in your life. You know someone who is experiencing this kind of hurt, this kind of abandonment, this kind of directionless life. It's a wilderness of hurt. But secondly, it's also a wilderness of hunger. The supplies that Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael off with did not last long. They quickly began to dry up, only adding to that ache in their hearts with an ache in their bellies. And again, many families today struggle in the same way. There's more month than there is money. How are they going to make ends meet? How are they going to put food on the table? How can they even afford to put gas in the tank to drive to get to work? We have families all around us, church, in this community whose resources are running dry. And they're hungry. And they're hurting without protection, without provision. And because it's a wilderness of hurt and hunger, it becomes a wilderness of hopelessness. Hagar felt hopeless. The people around us in our community and our world feel hopeless. That's how bad things were for her and her son. So bad that all she could do was put him under a bush and leave him to die. And she couldn't bear to watch him suffer and die, so she walks off away and sits down and weeps. Maybe somebody here or somebody online or on the radio can identify with Hagar. Maybe you had those moments where you had nothing to do but to go into your bedroom, shut the door, and just sit down and cry alone, feeling hopeless. So hopeless that maybe you just want to run away and just abandon all of this. Well, God allowed Hagar and Ishmael to come to this point. He allowed things to get this bad to the point that they could endure the suffering no longer for a reason. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But there are hurting moms and dads around us today that also feel hopeless. Too many know what it's like to be sent away, abandoned and wandering without any direction. Too many families know what it's like to be hungry and unable to provide the resources, the needs of their own children. And it doesn't even have to be a physical need. It can be a spiritual hunger. It can be an emotional hunger. Even families who have plenty of food in the fridge and money in the bank can find themselves feeling hungry and hurting and hopeless because your marriage is failing, because you're facing an illness, because of an addiction that you're dealing with or a wayward child. Things seem hopeless. Maybe you're a mom today and you feel like you're at the end of your rope and the only thing that you know how to do is to sit down and cry. Maybe you've been there. Hagar and Ishmael were facing a chaos in the wilderness. Maybe you are today too. There are certainly people all around us that are wandering around in a wilderness of chaos. But there's good news. There is hope. And we see that next as Hagar finds the way of calm assurance. You don't have to stay wandering in that wilderness of chaos. There is a way out, a way of calm assurance. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid. For God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up. 
Help the boy up and grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. Now, three things about this way I want us to think about. First of all, we see that it's a way of expectation. A way of expectation. Now, Hagar's expectation was that she was alone and forgotten. That's what she expected. She didn't know that the Lord was aware of her. She didn't know that God saw her and knew right where she was, that He heard her prayers, that He was going to come to her with a a promise of, of hope and a good word. Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying. What a powerful affirmation of God's sovereignty and grace. For a woman at the end of her rope, this was a thread on which she could hang. This was a light at the end of a very dark tunnel, and it gave her hope. And it's interesting to me that it doesn't say that God heard Hagar's cries. God heard whose cries? Ishmael's, the boy's cries. You know, Jesus taught us many times that, as I said in the baptistry, if we want to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have to come as little children. That we should have the faith of a child. Perhaps God was responding to Ishmael's childlike faith and showing that he hears the prayers of children while also giving us an example to follow. You know, I think it's a powerful thing when moms and dads pray with their children. And oftentimes when we pray together as a family, we can learn from each other. I I have to tell you, over the years, there have been many times I've been very humbled and blessed by Abby's prayers for me, for our family, for our church, for other people. It's just amazing sometimes how God can speak to you and encourage you and sometimes even challenge you through what He says, even through little children. It was a way of expectation, a way where the expectation was turned on its ear. Again, Hagar expected abandonment alone, lost, death, but God showed her that there's a different expectation. And that is that it can be a way of encouragement. A way of encouragement from this wilderness of chaos into the calmness of God's presence. God told Hagar to get up, to help the boy up, to lift the boy up and grasp his hand. And then he made a promise, the same promise he made to Abraham, that he was going to make a mighty nation through Ishmael. Get up. Lift up your child. Moms today can struggle with lifting up their kids. There's so much in our world that seeks to strip us of our dignity, to demotivate us, to discourage our hearts. And so many children feel worthless. They feel powerless. So many kids don't have a mom or a dad at home who is willing and able to lift them up. All some young people ever hear is how they'll never measure up, how they're not good enough, how they're worthless. They'll never amount to anything. And some of them hear these things so much, they actually begin to believe it. And they actually begin to live into it. For so many children and teenagers in our country and even in our own community, there's no one there to help them up, to lift them up from the chaos. And that's one of the most important things a parent can do. One of the most important things we can do, moms and dads, is to lift up our children, to put your arms around them, to love them, to encourage and inspire them to be the very best people that God created them to be. And if they're Christians, the very best people that Jesus has saved them to be, that the Holy Spirit is forming them to become. Moms and dads, we need to help our children get up from whatever it is that's keeping them back and holding them down 
and we need to do it with prayerful dependence on the Lord. That no matter what you're facing with your kids, God is with you, and He can work through you. Now, Julie and I are far from perfect parents. Don't ask Abby about that, but we are far from perfect parents. But one thing that we are intentional about trying to do is that is to instill in our daughter how much we love her, how proud we are of who she is and who she's becoming, how thankful we are that God has given her to us. And we try to encourage her to do her best and to try new things and to to not be afraid to fail when she does, to model for her how important it is to trust God and to step outside of your comfort zone. We lift her up in prayer every day. Like Hagar did with Ishmael. Lift up your children. Help them build a sense of self self-worth and dignity as boy or girl created in the image of God and so loved by Jesus He died on the cross for them. That's the challenge. That's the commission that we have, moms and dads. So it was a way of expectation turned on its head. A good expectation when Hagar didn't have any. It was a way of encouragement. God was encouraging her and it was... Encouraging her to be an example along the way. And that's the third thing, to be an example along this way from chaos to calm assurance. Hagar not only lifted up her son, she took him by the hand and walked with him. She showed him the way. She led by example. You know, if you look behind the most successful and Christ-like people, you're going to see a mom, a dad, a grandparent, or some godly man or woman in their life who took them by the hand and walked with them. I'm sure you've got someone in your life like that. A parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, someone within this church, an older person in this church that has invested in you, that has prayed for you, that has encouraged you, and you know you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for that person. Amen? I'm sure you've got that person in your life. Like many moms today, though, Hagar found herself wounded and wandering in the wilderness of life. But God showed her the way of hope. And she gave up those negative expectations of gloom and doom. She embraced an expectation of God's love and and that His power would lead her to be able to set an example for her son. And she called on God. He heard her prayers and He encouraged her to lift up her son, to hold his hand, and to guide him on the way. Again, there are millions of young people in our country that are waiting for caring adults to just lift them up, to walk with them, to take their hands and lead by an example. And, and I, I'm so thankful for the many teachers that I know we have in our church family that I know you do that every day with kids that are not your biological kids, but you love them. And you're seeking to do this. You're seeking to take them by the hand and to lead them in the right way. And if we're ever going to reach this generation for Jesus Christ, a generation, listen, that is suffering the devastating effects of broken homes and abandoned and shattered family values, this generation, more than I think any other we've ever seen, we need to reach out to them. We need to be that example and that encourager to them. And we need to reach out to their parents. And we need to encourage them and pray for them and be examples for them. We as a church need to look for ways that we can resource and encourage and bless the moms and dads in our community with tender love and support. We need to be looking out, yes, for the children in our church and schools and streets, but let's not forget their moms and dads who need Jesus, who need to be loved 
who need to be led, who need to be helped. Let's be those encouragers. Let's be those examples to them of what it is to lift up and to lead by example. But where do we lead them to? If you're going to lead someone, there's got to be an end goal, a destination, right? Or else you're just wandering around in the wilderness with them, right? So where are we leading them to? If we're leading these people out of this chaotic wilderness into a calm assurance, where are we taking them to? We're taking them to the well of Christ where they can fill up. We want to help them fill up at the well of Christ. And that's the last part of this story beginning in verse 19. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skins and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. What about this well? Well, the first thing we see, it's a well of provision. God opened Hagar's eyes to his provision. Abraham gave her a canteen of water, gave her a water skin. Well, guess what? It ran dry. So God gave her a well of water that would more than provide for her needs. God's provision is sufficient, isn't it? It's always sufficient. Now, it amazes me when I read, when I read this or I come to this point, it amazes me that here's a woman who is so worried about her apparent lack of resources. She's leaving her son to die of thirst under a bush. And guess what? There's a well right there. That well didn't magically appear. The well was always there nearby. Is this not a powerful picture of our spiritual state? Because in some way we're all hurting from the consequences of sin. We're all hungry and thirsty for meaning and for purpose in our lives. We all can feel hopeless because nothing in this world will ever satisfy that hunger or quench that thirst. Nothing. And we spin our wheels looking for something that will meet that deep need of our soul that only God Himself can provide. So many people today are wondering without knowledge that the well of eternal life is right there. It's within their grasp. Think about it. This well was there all along, but Hagar didn't see it until God pointed it out. He opened her eyes to see this well. It reminds me of the story of Jacob at Bethel where he has the vision of the angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And it says in Genesis 28:16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He comes to this realization that God has always been here. I just didn't know it. I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't in tune to it. How many times when hope seems almost gone has God shown you a well, a way through, a source of provision, a sign of hope? But it wasn't enough that the well was nearby. God had to open her eyes to see it. And my prayer is that God would open the eyes of more moms and dads to show them the well of everlasting life, of peace and joy and provision that's been there all along. They just didn't know it. I'm sure there are a lot of moms here who can testify that they never would have made it without God's divine help. With Him showing them a person, a place, a resource, something that was there to help them through. It's like our Old Testament reading this morning in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
And the fact is that when you lift up your eyes to the Lord, when you put your dependence upon Him, He will open your eyes to the well as well. But once God opened Hagar's eyes to this source of provision nearby, she still had to do something. Right? She had to do something. She had to draw the water. She had to fill the water skin. She had to drink the water. She had to give some of the water to her son. God came to her rescue. He provided. God did His part. He provided by grace the well. Hagar, by faith, had to drink from it. I pray this morning that God would open someone's eyes to the gift of grace made available through Jesus Christ. Listen, He offers to quench our spiritual thirst for meaning, forgiveness, for purpose, for joy. He offers to give us life abundant and eternal. We only have to reach out by faith, take it, and drink it. God gives it. He provides it. To give our lives fully to Christ Jesus, to let Him satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst. But guess what? That's not where it ends. We then need to take that provision God has given us, that drink of living water, and we need to offer it to others. We need to share that gift with those around us that they too may know Christ and the power of His resurrection. It was a well of provision. Perfect provision. Just what she needed, just when she needed it. God offers the same thing to you. But secondly, it was a well of promise. I love the words, God was with the boy and he grew. Hagar held on to this promise of God that He would make her son into a great nation. And God, throughout the Bible, we see God is often on the side of the weak and the outcast. God loves to fight for the underdog. Reminds me of Jesus coming to a Samaritan woman at a well. Like Hagar, this woman knew what it was to be used and abused and discarded by men. And she had no friends. She had no family. She had no network to support her. And Jesus came to her rescue, offering her water, not from the physical well that was there, but from the well of life in Him, the Spirit of living water He offered to give her to quench her thirst forever. I think of blind Bartimaeus, who had been discarded by society on the side of the road, and all he could do was to beg every day for a few coins to have enough bread to eat. And Jesus comes to him, and he doesn't give him money. He gives him something eternally better. He gives him eyesight. And he opens his eyes to realize he's in the very presence of the Messiah. Moms, dads, if you're struggling, I want you to be encouraged. God was with the boy, and he grew. That is a promise that you can claim. God is with you. God is with your children. As you are seeking to raise them up, as you're seeking to guide them and help them, God is with you. And He wants to help your children to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. It was a well of provision, a well of promise, and finally it was a well of perseverance. God gave Hagar the strength to go on and to shape her son's life. And until he was ready to be married, she stood by Ishmael. And when the time was right, she released him to his wife. A single mom in touch with God can overcome any obstacle in her path. And Hagar is that example. And she instilled love, she instilled respect and integrity in her son. You would say, well, David, how do you know that? How do you know that she instilled integrity and respect and honor in her son? Because in Genesis 25, 9, there's this interesting little side note. It says, when Abraham died, 
His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre. Now think about that. All these years later, Ishmael comes home to pay respect to his estranged father. He comes home to the brother that he had been estranged from, that the jealousy of Sarah for Isaac had driven them away, and he's able to make amends enough to, with Isaac, bury their dad. And I think it's because Hagar persevered in raising her son to be a man of honor and integrity. From a worried single mom, wandering in the wilderness, struggling to survive, Hagar becomes a strong and influential woman in her son's life because she trusted in God's provision and she persevered in the promise that He had given her. So this Mother's Day, I hope that we can remember a few things. One, our responsibility as husbands and wives and as moms and dads. Our, our purpose is to build families that thrive according to God's plan, by God's design. And, and I think that we should give God thanks for the gift of families. That's what we do on Mother's Day, right? As, as you're celebrating your mom, you are giving God thanks for the gift of family. And I believe that strong Christian families united in service through the local church are the light of hope for this country. No, it's not in Washington, D.C. The hope for Georgia is not under the gold dome in Atlanta. It's right here. It's right here. We are the hope for this country. And I believe we must be bold with compassionate conviction about the Bible's teachings regarding families. And we must teach our children God's plan for marriage and family but we should also teach them to reach out in love with patience for those who don't live up to that ideal. To look for those who are struggling, to those who are blind to God's purpose, to those who don't know that the well of provision is right there. We need to be loving to them, not judging on them, not condemning of them, but coming alongside them and helping them out of the wilderness along the way to that well of Christ where they can be filled up. Amen? And we can do that with conviction and compassion. We can do that in truth and in love. But I think we should also remember the challenges that we all face. People are hurting. People are hungry. People feel hopeless. Maybe even some of the people listening right now. And we do need to love and respect and reach out to those moms and those dads who are struggling that are seeking to do the best that they can with the knowledge that they have. We need to pray for them and join them in turning their expectation around. Coming to them to encourage them and their children and to help them set that good example for generations to come. And in faith, remember to point to the One who provides a well that will never run dry. A well of God's provision, powerful promise, and to help them to persevere no matter what life sends their way so they can leave that lasting impact on their children. Maybe this morning you're like Hagar today. You're struggling. You feel lost. You feel like you're wandering in the wilderness. You feel like you don't have any hope. Maybe you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Well, I want you to know that Jesus is holding that rope. And He wants to help you. And if you will call upon God and allow Him to open your eyes, you will see that He is right there by your side to lift you up, to meet your needs. And the greatest and most important need He is there to meet 
is He wants to give you eternal life through Jesus Christ. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to erase your past and give you the promise of a new tomorrow. And all you have to do is what Cal demonstrated for us today. Put your trust, not in your goodness, not in your knowledge, not in your efforts. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that He died on the cross for your sins and He rose from the grave. And confess with your mouth that you want Him to be the Lord of your life. And if you will do that, you will realize that there is a well of provision that will never run dry. If you need to do that today, I'm going to be standing down front here in just a moment. I invite you to come. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let Him be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe God is speaking to you in some other way, that you and your family should come and unite with this church. You're already believers. You've already been baptized and given your lives to the Lord, but you want to come and say, this is where God would have me and my family to worship and to serve and to grow. Maybe God is speaking to you in some other way. Maybe God is impressing someone in your heart right now that you know out there is a Hagar, a man or a woman, a mom or a dad, or a single person. There's someone on your heart that God is saying, you know what, this person is struggling and they need you. They need you to share the hope of Christ with them. They need you to come alongside them and let them know they're not alone. Maybe you just need to pray, God, give me the courage and compassion to go out and to share and to help them. Whatever God is speaking to your heart, let's be obedient today. Let's stand and pray. Father, thank You so much that no matter what we're facing in this life, no matter how much like Hagar and Ishmael we may be, God, You are there. You do not leave us alone. You do not forsake us. You do not turn Your back on us. You hear our cries. You see our pain. And You come alongside of us to meet our needs and to give us hope. And if there's anyone here today that needs to experience that, Lord, in in terms of their eternal salvation, I pray they would come. They would trust their heart and life to You and receive that drink of eternal life. God, maybe there's other needs in people's hearts today. I pray, Lord, that You would guide them and lead them by the hand and how they could follow You. In Jesus' name we pray.